This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. What's going on, practitioners? Hey, hey. So, okay, we've been through the entire book now. Um, The whole darn thing we have talked about every spiritual pathway um hopefully those of you who have been following along with us you have found your pathway um and if you're new to this episode go i i really encourage you go back and listen to the other ones because there's lots of good content in there that could help you figure out your your pathway yep um now though um, we have been talking about it for a while, and I said that I was kind of going through um, this this book not knowing what my pathway was, just kind of learning along with you guys. Um, well, I took the test this past week, um, and I figured out that we were all kind of assuming that my pathway, my number one pathway was going to be the activist, right, just because of who I am and what I do, what I'm studying. Makes the most sense. And it was right. Okay. Um, number one is the activist. Number two, though, would probably be surprising. It was the traditionalist. Yeah, I'm a bit shooketh at that statement. Yeah. Um, you know, I started thinking about it, and I do have a, a lot of things that I do um, pretty ritualistically. Um, especially when it comes to my quiet time. Mm. Um, I'm really into praying the hours. Um, and every time I have a quiet time, I do, I, I read my, like a section out of uh, N.T. Wright's Bible for everyone. I pray. Um, and, and that, actually, I end up writing a prayer based on what I read in Bible for Everyone. And then um, have a little bit of a, a separate prayer time for specific things, but um, that this is this is normal for me, um, and I do th- find a lot of value in high church liturgy and iconography and stuff. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like I think that that kind of makes sense. Interesting. Uh, I wouldn't have guessed that honestly. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that. It just goes to show you can't, you really have to read the book and take the tests yeah, to understand what Gary's really doing. Yeah. And what that means for you, you know, Gary has this final chapter in the book. It's, I like to call it the, the what now chapter. Yeah. Like, what do I do now? And he tells a story about knowing people that came to faith at the same time. And he he puts faith and the journey of faith in the metaphor of a garden. Mm-hmm. And one person really tended their garden and it flourished. The other person just kind of dabbled in it. And before long, things began to rot. 
and no longer be life-giving. Yeah. Same with our faith. Same with our faith journey. Same with our experience of faith. You can do this, and it can be something that flourishes, or it can be something that pitters out and is no longer life-giving to you. And that's what this book is for. It's to get you to be able to think about what are some different ways of experiencing the life-giving attributes and elements of God through the ways that you devote yourself to him. And I think, you know, Gary has this, um, this story in here that he was at like a camp or a Bible study. I can't remember. And they had like some dedicated quote unquote quiet times. And so Gary would sit down and read his Bible and pray, which I'm sure is what most people think about with a quiet time. But there was another dude that would go take a walk down by the lake and call it quiet time. And Gary talks about being upset. He felt like he was quote unquote cheating because that wasn't true quiet time. Yeah. Well, it's because we have a very narrow view of what getting time with God looks like. So I had a friend in high school who thinking back on it, at least at the time probably would have identified as a sensate. Um, because, um, we would be in like worship setting and he would sit still. He wouldn't sing. He would just watch the lights, listen to the music. And he would, and I, I, was, I asked him one time, like, why don't you like sing along? And he was like, well, man, like, I feel like I can actually worship better just by feeling the rhythm and, and listening to the music itself. And I was yeah. like, fair enough, right? Like, yeah. but it was hard for me to swallow. Yeah. But that's how some people get down, right? Like, that's how they do things. It is. And, you know, we, I, I've never really understood this. There are some things where we're, we will make space for people's variance in personalities mm-hmm. in Christian expression, but there's other times we won't. So a great example of this is if you're in charismatic expressions, the assumption is that when you're worshiping, you like raise your hands, you become really expressive. Yeah. But there are a lot of introverts that don't like that. Yeah. So they don't, and we make space for that, right? We're like, oh, well, that's just not really you. Yeah. And like, it's okay. There will be some people who would look down on the introvert that, you know, doesn't do it or whatever. Well, then there's the other side that people turn their nose up at the people that do raise their hands. There is. Right. Um, and that that's another one, that's right? A, that's, that's a whole other issue. That's but, another yeah. one. But those that are being expressive and raising their hands will often make space for those that don't and just yeah. say, like, it's their personality, they're not comfortable doing that, and that's fine. Now, because that is such a huge part of their expression, a lot of times those introverts will leave that expression to go to a different one yeah, um, so that they don't have that kind of temptation or... or push in that way yeah 
but that's a great place where we make we make space for varying personalities yeah in christian expression but i don't think we've done a good job of allowing that in in the same space of our individual devotional lives um and that's really what I want you, I want this episode to do and what I want us to think through is like we talked about there are some people that like reading their bible and doing spontaneous prayer every day for 45 minutes like that works for them and that's great yeah there's a whole lot of people that that's just not helpful for yeah and We've got to open our minds that quiet times, devotion times, those can happen without a Bible open. Yeah, they can. And I think that's, there may be someone listening right now that like that, that just really wrestled their feathers. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're cringing a little bit. Um, And I don't mean to, I'm not trying to be provocative in that, but. We also have to remember Jesus didn't carry around a Bible. Paul didn't carry around a Bible. Um, you people, really only had copies of the scripture if you were rich. Not even that. I mean, we do have a few narratives where rich people do have a copy of, right. a, like, like they have a scroll. People. But really, if you're a normal person you only have access to the reading of scripture at synagogue. Yeah. That's it. And you go there to have it read to you. So we've got to get back to a place where like times of devotion and connection with God can happen without the Bible open. Because if, if we are so narrow minded that, that connection with God only happens with Bibles open in front of us or when we're, actively explicitly praying we've just missed a whole lot of personalities uh we've got to find a way to make space for other people's personality in the ways that they feel that they can be closest to god without a bible open yeah um i think about the caregiver yeah mm. serving in that way in the name of god they feel closest to god when they're serving yeah and yet they literally cannot have a Bible open when they do that. Yeah. If they had a Bible open, they're not serving. Uh, the activist. Yeah. I mean, we feel closest to God when we're advocating for people who are being oppressed, right? When, when we are a voice for someone who has no voice. Yeah. Um, the sensate. Yeah, I mean... That could mean so many different things for the sensate. It could be a sense of smell. Yep. It could be a sight, right? Um, tasting good food, right? Like, oh my gosh, the, countless things for the sensate. Anything that uses your senses. Yeah. Looking at art. Yeah, countless things for the sensate. The naturalist. Um, Being outside and connecting with God in nature. Yeah. Um, you could have your Bible there. Yeah. You could have your Bible in all these scenarios. You could, but 
some of the more active ones, like the activist and the caregiver, and the caregiver, they really they can't be actively reading it in those moments. No. Now we'll say, do I think people should read their Bible? Hundred percent. Absolutely. Not saying you shouldn't. Do I think everyone should read their Bible the same way? No. Nope. Absolutely yeah. not. Um, for a sensate, at least while they're early in their faith, I'm probably never telling a sensate to read anything except the Psalms. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Because like their their prayers. Yeah. Like that's Perfect. totally fine. Yeah. It communicates something about God. It lets them know the God that they're serving. It also gives them a way to experience God through prayer. Yeah. Also, and this could actually work for the enthusiast too. Um, So uh, Shane and Shane has several albums that are just the songs. Hmm. Um, And so do, um, so... Robbie, the Robbie C band has some as well that are just the Psalms. Yeah. If you are in one of those pathways that is more expressive or less focused on technicalities, those might be good for you. Um, go listen to them and try to connect, try to worship through them. I don't know. Just think about that. Yeah. I think for me, the. The most important piece here is for us to move away from, I think it's twofold, to move away from the narrow idea that you can only experience God through reading your Bible and praying. Yeah. Because I can only imagine that there's a ton of people out there that have been told some narrative like that, maybe not quite as rigid or explicit that way, but as they sit down and read their Bible and pray, like it's not life giving. And cause they hear these sermons at church and it's like, go do, go do, go do, go do. And when they go do, they feel super close to God. But then when they sit down and try to read their Bible, they actually feel quite distant from him. Yeah. Or they get distracted. Um, I mean, realistically, to read your Bible well, kind of hard. No, it is. Kind of hard to read your Bible well. Yeah. I've been at this for a long time. And... 12 years now? Um, in total? About 10 since I started in like religious education, okay. like higher education. Okay. If yeah, you yeah. count, if you count our Bible classes in high school, yeah, like even more. But uh, it's only been pretty recently that I can read the text devotionally, and I'm not constantly like trying to keep myself on track. Yeah. And even reading it devotionally is hard because. I'm also an academic. And, and so, so you're it's trying like, to pick it apart. Well, yeah. And like, I have to preach from it every week, right? So it's yeah. like, oh, this would make a great sermon. Or how do, how do I put this in the greater story? Yeah. And so for me, it's actually quite hard to read the Bible day in, day out devotionally. Yeah. Because it's constantly pulling me towards work. Right. I actually need some other thing 
to get me outside of that. Yeah. So you would fall in the category of the intellect, right? Yeah. So I, I'm an into uh, my two pathways are the intellect and the activist. Yeah. Um. So okay. Me not being an intellect, um, it's really helpful for me to have like a guide when I'm reading scripture. Um, so like the like the like Bible, Bible for everyone, for everyone yeah. right? If you don't have a copy of Bible for everyone, um, it is expensive to buy the whole set. So maybe start collecting them slowly. But um, they're good. They're they're really helpful. Um, and, and Tom's got insightful stuff. Always does. Pretty much anything he writes is just gold. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, another one, if you're wanting to do it like right now, and you're looking for something free, point you to the Bible Project. Oh, yeah. The Bible Project got a lot of good stuff. I mean, they do everything from yeah, whole book studies to word, word studies. studies. Yeah. Um, to teaching you how to read the Bible, yeah, the different like literary forms of the Bible and how to yeah. read those. Um, they also did you see their one that they posted this week? No, I must have missed it. So at the time of us filming this, it's it's the day the after day after Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. Yeah. and earlier this week or late last week, they did a um, a video commentary of Genesis one. Oh wow! Ooh, really cool. They noted they noted some things in there. Now they're Hebrew Bible scholars, right? I'm a Greek Bible scholar. I'm different, but they noted some things in there that I was like, "Oh, I've never seen that before." Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, so the Bible Project, like their free resource, they are a reading guide. Like that's what they want to be. Yeah. Um. I feel like that it's really hard. And I think that, okay, so let me preface this. I think that a lot of people, the reason we keep saying that people don't read their Bible well is because we pressure people to read their Bible without teaching them how. It's a very fair point. Um, That's a very fair point. We pressure people to read their Bible, but they don't know how. I just think that that is just fundamentally true. Um, or we teach them wrongly how to. Yeah, I think that's right? also fair. I know a lot of people that would say the Bible's written to us. Yeah. It's like, no, no, that's fundamentally wrong. It's not written to us. Actually, we have letters from the New Testament that are actually addressed to real people. Yeah. It's written to real people in an ancient time, in an ancient culture, but it's written for us. Yeah. Um, I mean, how can a, a letter that is addressed to Timothy be addressed to Clayton and Cullen, right? Like, yeah, wrong. Or when Paul writes the letter to Philemon, yeah, he's writing a letter to a friend of his that owns a slave named Onesimus. Mm-hmm. That's not written to me at any level. No, I don't own slaves. I've never known anyone that's owned a slave. Like. That's written to someone else. It's been recorded for us to communicate something about God and the way people of God have acted in the name of God. Yeah. So it's written for us. 
yeah. for our observation, but it's not written to us. And so I do think you're right. We have not done a good job of teaching people how to read the Bible. No. And so when they sit down to read it, it's like, oh, well, what do I do with this? Yeah, this is really hard. Which this actually it, which lends itself to bad theology. It can. Um, it absolutely can. This, this is a great point. Um, I know this is a little bit off track of our conversation here, but if you would like us to offer a mm. like how to read your Bible class, like a yes. Zoom, just like a Zoom group where like, hey, ask your questions about how to read the Bible. I would totally do that. Yeah. And, Let me know. And that even means like if you are not a part of our church, right? If you're not a part of our community, um, email us, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, we're, I mean, we're looking at doing a couple of these different Zoom yeah. groups. We're looking at doing um, one on deconstruction and yeah. and having a deconstruction support group for people who have been hurt by the church. Yeah, um, We think we are a church that's uniquely positioned to be able to do something like that uh, and help a lot of people in that way. So we're looking at that. I think this is another great one. How do you no, read the Bible? And how do I wrestle with these hard questions that, yeah. I'm, that I'm having, right? Like, and, and, you know, so we, we watch the analytics pretty close, mm -hmm. and, and we see that there's a lot of people in India who are listening. So if, yeah, like I'm, I'm even talking to, to the people on that side of the pond. Yeah. Um, reach out to us if you want to have some sort of, now it might not be at a time that is suitable, <laughs> but we could figure out a way to make it or if work. we could get up early on our end, if you stayed up late on yours. Yeah, we could, we could figure out a way to have these classes seriously reach out to us yeah let us know uh, we want to help you and i think that's why i wanted to start practicing presence with this book because this book was extremely helpful for me mm -hmm. realizing that i can experience god outside of the prescriptive way that it was told to me that i had to experience god yeah. um and that led me further which is where we're going to go in our next series is how actual personality types that the Enneagram dictates leads us to understanding our own connection with God. Yeah. Um, I think that that will be extremely helpful. Um, it, and, you know, I, I want to go ahead and preface. The spiritual pathways do not necessarily line up with the Enneagram um, in the sense that there is nine, and then there is nine. Oh, right? you mean they're not one-to-one? -one. They're not one-to-one. -one. Some of them are. Some of them yes. can be, but they are not one-to-one. -one. Yeah, totally fair. Um, however, your Enneagram is one of those things that you can't really understand another number. You can't really step outside your number. Um, but in the the sense of spiritual pathways you can. Um, yeah, so you can definitely get that bird's eye view and understanding, especially yeah. in the way that Gary does it. Most of the time he gives you a biblical character to follow along and how they yeah. they represent that pathway. And, and we were trying to do that in a couple of them that Gary didn't give one. but um, Yes, or, or one specifically. Or but, Gary gave examples that, I didn't think or we didn't think were yeah. as good as some of the ones that we saw. that we had came up with. But um either way the the 
the fundamental piece that you should be taking from this is that all of the spiritual pathways you can utilize um, in some way, shape, or form, at least try. Yeah, so that's what I would say is I think if you're listening to this and you've listened to all of them with us, I think that tells us a couple of things. One of the things it could be telling us is that you're looking for a way to improve the practice of your faith. Yeah. And if that's true, that probably means what's working for you right now or what you're doing right now is not working for you. Yeah. Um, now, we do have some loyal just listeners well house people yeah just listen to everything because we put it out and we appreciate them so this may not love you guys that may not be the case for some of you but i do think by and large that if you've spent all these hours listening to this content it means that you're looking for a new way and if you are what i would encourage you to do is just what any any structure or framework that you have for devotion time just like obliterate it, get rid of it and start doing things that are different. Try yeah. new things about how to experience God and see what sticks, see what's life giving. And when that thing's no longer life giving anymore, try something. new. Don't be afraid to replace it with something new. Yeah. I, you are a real live person that is changing. Yeah. We've talked about it so much. But I don't think we can talk about it too much. You know, we were raised to believe that there. you you read a chapter out your Bible, you pray for 45 minutes, you know, maybe you have some worship music playing in the background. You say your prayers when you go to bed. Yeah. That's your day. That That's it. But that just doesn't work for a lot of people. That's the day. I do think that works for some people. And, and we talked about, I think, at yeah. the beginning of this... I think that narrative came down from pastors at the top of the church because it worked for them. Yeah. And so like they just thought like, Hey, let's do it for everybody. Yeah. And so I don't fault those people for saying that, but I think it's pretty clear now with the way that we understand people and personalities, that's just not a great way for everyone. No. So, with that being said, listener, or practitioner, um, think about it. Think about all of these pathways. Think about your personality. Think about the ones that you connected with the most. And if you're, you're struggling, if you're feeling like my time of devotion isn't working for me, go back and try those things try to connect in a way that is best fitting for you if that is lighting a candle um, while you pray if that's listening to music um, if if that's caring for the vulnerable person whatever it is do it step outside the normal do it